0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting Radiolamon.com. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. So hello everybody and welcome along to a bit of bonus coverage this afternoon from Watkins Glen International. It's John Hindorf and the rest of the IMSA Radio crew. Uh, a bumper weekend of sports car endurance for GT racing uh, this coming Saturday and Sunday. Friday, Saturday and Sunday, actually. And we thought, uh, as we can, we would give you a little bit extra uh, at this time on a Thursday afternoon, just after three o'clock Eastern Daylight time, just after eight in the UK. Thanks for joining us. If you uh, have made some time for us, it's uh, Jeremy Shaw, Jim Roller and John Hindoff, And we're live on IMSA Radio. Three, three, two, three, two, one,
2: one. The Continental Sports Car Challenge on IMSA Radio.
1: Welcome along to uh, Watkins Glen International. Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge revving up in the background. We've just had the Lambos out on the circuit... And uh, they've just done their second session. Been a, a bit of a stop start day today, in some respects. One or two people causing uh, red flags uh, in terms of the practice sessions. It is all practice today, no qualifying till tomorrow. It's a very early start tomorrow when we've got cars on the track at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's overcast, but it's been a pleasant day here at Watkins Glen International. Those of you listening around the track on 454 even know that, but we're now talking to the world on IMSA radio. uh, And we'll say welcome to you all because it's a fabulous place. Jim Roller and Jeremy Shaw, as I said, with us. The Conti cars are coming out onto the pit lane. Jim, this is your backyard. This is where you grew up. This is where you cut your teeth in broadcasting. And not metaphorically, literally, Uh, This is where you saw your first ever motor race? Yes.
0: Yes, I saw my first ever motor race here. Actually, I saw my first ever motor race in Danbury, Connecticut. It was a stock car race. But my first proper race I saw here in 1968. It was the Grand Prix. And then a few years later, I started working for the local radio station. And in 1975 covered my first car race professionally as a 15-year-old who they were afraid was going to break the equipment, so they sent me down into the pits where I wouldn't do as much harm to the equipment, and uh, a career was born. So, yes, John, this is my home church, and it's wonderful to be back, uh, first time since 1994, and I'm absolutely thrilled. And what a great way to start with these Continental Sports Car Challenge cars. This truly is a cornucopia of different sports cars. We've got everything from Porsches and Mustangs and Camaros BMWs, it's an absolutely fantastic lineup. Mazda MX-5s, everything you could w- wish for. Jeremy is in this grid.
3: It, it is so cool and a super competitive field. And for me, an added excitement this weekend: the new Shelby uh, Shelby Mustang making its debut in this championship. I think it's probably its world racing debut. Certainly in in professional ranks, uh, the Multimatic team bringing out two of those cars this weekend. They look absolutely stunning. And I just had a quick chat with Billy Johnson, who's going to be driving one of those cars uh, alongside Scott Maxwell. Uh, The other car driven by Jade Buford and austin sindrick and uh, they are so excited i mean this is a completely different package to the mustang the boss mustang they've been driving for the last several years independent rear suspension on these cars uh and uh, billy was saying you know it handles like a real race car rather than kind of like a stock car which is what the uh, the mustangs did before them so very different animal
1: and in fairness they were very successful with that car so the motive power is not in question and tweaking the Handling and the drivability of that car is bad news for everybody else up went down this building.
3: Yeah, well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how they, how they come out of the box because you know, this is the first race, so, you know, the uh, kind of uh, balance of performance hasn't yet really uh, taken effect in these cars. The, uh, organize, they, you know, they've given a lot of data to him, so, so they've, they've come up with what they think is the right package in terms of weight, engine restrictors, and all that sort of stuff, and now we'll see what Multimagic team can do with these cars on the racetrack against everybody else for the first time.
1: While we're talking about new things, it's not the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, but the news has finally broken today about something that I think we've known about for a little while. We've been waiting for confirmation, Jeremy, certainly something I know that you've been across. And this is... News that, effectively, the Dyson Lawler is coming back to competition in the shape of the Mazda. uh, We will have a gasoline, a petrol-powered Mazda in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship in the endurance race uh, at the weekend. And this is something that the the guys have been working very, very hard on.
3: Yeah, they they have. um, I mean, they completely re-engineered those cars to adapt to the Skyactiv diesel technology, and that that engine's been making, making really good progress but uh, they want to be up at the sharp end as well they, and they realize, you know with the uh, with the kind of one of the hands tied behind their backs because that that sky active diesel technology is so production based and they're racing against you know proper racing cars you know, proper racing engines and and real racing technology that it's, you know it's 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 a whole level above uh, the uh, the street car technology so you know they've, they've kind of split their horses here this weekend there'll be one diesel car and one petrol car and yeah it's going to be interesting but it, it is not the same as the dyson lola that ran for the last several years in the american le mans series this is quite quite different and they had to completely re-engineer the car to take the sky of now they get to re-engineer it again back again but it's not just a case of you know bolting on the stuff they had before
1: but this is the AER engine that's gone back in the car, the gasoline engine. So the parts exist. They haven't had to completely remanufacture it. There's even some data that the car ran in that similar form in, in Europe but with other people running it. And it's the opportunity for Mazda, of course, looking forward to the new LMP2 regulations, both here in the States not exactly being... Um, we understand not exactly being uh, brought in in the same way, but certainly if they want to go to Le Mans in the future, it's the possibilities and, and possibly even selling customer cars, of course, uh, are opened up by going back to this petrol engine.
3: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting. It's, it's great to see. I mean, it, it, the engine package developed by AER over the last several years uh, has has Become a very economical and a very reliable package, and that is what they uh, they are looking forward to running this weekend. And it's fast too. They've had uh, a a few tests with that car, and they feel they're going to come here with a really strong package this weekend.
1: Are we going to see more than one, Jeremy, before the end of the season? I know they've been scrambling. This, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether it was planned. To be here for a six-hour race once again, Mazda not making life easy for themselves <laughs> in the times that they've debuted new cars. They've done it at 12, 24, now six-hour races. But the the plan, I believe, is to to bring another car in before the end of the season and to have the gasoline power on both of those lovely soul red machines.
3: That's certainly my understanding. I think it's certainly for the next two or perhaps three races it'll be just uh, just the one petrol car and the one diesel car. But uh, perhaps for Petit Le Mans, if all goes to plan, then I think we. We may well even see two petrol engines cars for Petit at the end of the season.
0: Our sale in six hour on Sunday was shaping up to be a classic. It just got juicier, didn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. It did. no, I
1: absolutely agree with you. And, and it's great that John Doonan and everybody at Master Sports and the guys who are part of that team are, have been looking forward all the way. They have done so much. They have proved so much with that Sky Active Diesel engine. I think what they've realized is looking forward to the next generation of regulations really they've been snookered there's nothing more that can do with that and ultimately that that engine and that car package doesn't have a future so what are we going to do well we believe still in the chassis we believe still in the technology that mazda have and and let's start thinking about the future right now that's so mazda
3: yeah and we want to be involved at this level i mean that's the other big key thing here i think as well so yeah it's tremendously exciting for 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 everybody for the team for the manufacturer for the for the racetracks and for us uh, all as fans of the sport
1: So this uh, is the P63 MZRR version, the Indy Lights engine, we believe, that is going into the back. It's a development, of course, of the uh, two-litre turbocharged uh, engine. I'm right in saying that, Jeremy. It's a development of the the two-litre turbocharged engine, the the four-cylinder engine. That's my understanding,
3: absolutely right. right. And 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 as you say, it's been introduced this year into Indy Lights, and it's been fantastic in Indy Lights, I think it's... uh, it's, uh, it's a really it's, it's a great it's transformed
0: Indy Lights yeah. I think I yeah. think Indy Lights are much more interesting this year with yeah. that engine
1: and ironically of course that engine started live as uh, an LMP675 engine uh, right. which yeah. became LMP2 oh the circles come <laughs> yeah. all the way <laughs> great around to again see. we'll have more details on that we'll get John Doonan in front of a mic it's a big weekend for Mazda this weekend down at, uh, at the Show and Shine down at uh, Goodwood as well this weekend on Lord March's Drive they are the featured mark Uh, this weekend, so there's a lot of Mazda activity going on around the world at the minute but we'll get more details of that as the weekend continues as we now have got cars going out onto the circuit and we just had three abreast going past us. We're actually... It's practice, fellas. It's it's practice. (laughs) It's not for those guys, is it? (laughs) Uh, Down towards turn one and a fantastic array of cars already out on the circuit and still people coming into the pit lane. And the good news is they are coming onto the pit lane uh, from the paddock and turning right, not as we had with one of our Porsche competitors this morning who turned left uh, and tried to head out. Uh, Not the best thing to do. Jeremy?
3: Yeah, here's the... uh the new Shelby Mustang coming past the pits now, going down into turn one. The two cars, as the uh, both with uh, different color schemes. Now they're both both white. One has a blue stripe over the top, or two blue stripes over the top, and the other has two green stripes over the top.
1: Both very very traditional color schemes. Yeah, great to see a couple of Hondas side by each as they went across the finish line as well down into turn one and they play nicely as they get into the downhill. Right-hander at the end of the start-finish straight. It's been fantastic weather here the last few days. Had a few thunderstorms on Tuesday around the Watkins Glen area, but they're cleared very quickly. Weather is relatively good for the weekend. There is a chance of showers at a couple of times, but it should be decent. A little bit overcast now. Temperature outside has dropped a bit and it's got a bit what I would call muggy, a little bit humid more than it was. I wouldn't say that there's a threat of rain at the moment. We've been in a very good spot to see the incoming Weather here on the top of the grandstand, but Jim, this is this is your this backyard. You grew up here. The,
0: this is the normal weather weather pattern. This is yeah. This is summertime weather here in the Finger Lakes.
3: Yeah, so when I looked at the weather forecast this morning, there was a, a possibility of some thunder showers, uh, yeah, late this afternoon and into the evening. Yeah, if you don't but like but the uh, weather, wait
1: a
0: minute. Yeah, there Jim. you
3: go.
1: <laughs> is it like that? Is it? Yes. alright, Okay, oh, yeah. fine. Good. IMSA radio live from Watkins Glen International. Jeremy Shaw, Jim Roller and John I might have a quick word with Chair Adam, who's here uh, as well, in a way while she's standing outside enjoying the weather at the moment. Back early doors at the morning, in the morning, eight o'clock Eastern. A bit more civilized for those of you listening in Europe. A full day of practice, qualifying, and in fact we've got a race tomorrow as well. This is border coverage for you on IMSA Radio, the Continental Tires Sports Guard Challenge. Matt Plum, the first. Driver to set a uh, time in the 13. It's one of the GS cars, the Grand Sport cars. Two categories here, Jeremy, that have been well-defined for a wee while and really, really work in this category. It, it has been something that's developed over the, the life of this series, but it just works. It w- and they both have flourished, actually.
3: Yeah, it's been fantastic. You're right, GS, Grand Sport, and ST... Uh, Sports touring, uh, the, you know the two le- different levels of car. They they are tremendous. know the GS is, yeah, basically muscle cars. We've got Camaros, and Mustangs, uh, and but all sorts of other things as well. Porsches, Nissan, uh, BMW. You know whatever you want to bring in there that, that's eligible for that class is a really good variety. It be interesting to watch the Nissans this weekend too. I think.
1: If we were talking to our when we talking to our global audience, are we talking what GT4? Between GT4, GT3 sort of area, or something no, completely different? No,
3: uh, yeah, GT4-ish certainly for the yeah. for the GS cars. Yes, uh, yeah, production-based cars certainly. Um, so not nothing like as, as sophisticated as as a GT3 right. or, a, or, or, or a GT palette, car. Yeah.
1: and and you're not allowed to change things like gear ratios or axle axle ratios. And what we get because of that, which I love, mm. is we get cars with different strengths and weaknesses. Mm. And that, and that really plays at each different circuit that we go to.
3: Well, it does, doesn't it? And, and you know, you'll see uh, you know, again, we talked about a phrase I like to use, horses for courses. So some horses are better suited to some tracks than others. Uh, th- this racetrack here at Watkins Glen with the elevation change, st- this you know, long straightaway down leading towards the bus stop, it's, it's a fast track, certainly, but it also you need a good handling car around here as well, Jim Roller.
0: And that's what you'll see in the races. You'll see the cars that have got the grunt and the horsepower having success here on the front straightaway and the long back straightaway. But the more nimble cars will be better through the boot, perhaps better through the turn one, up through the S's. Of course, torque up through the S's. A car with torque is going to have an advantage there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things that makes road racing fun for me an endurance racing fun because you see the strengths and weaknesses of these cars in the different areas and they kind of pull back out come back together pull back out come back together and it's who can maximize their ability to use the times when they do have the advantage that's going to ultimately win the race
3: yeah it is um and yeah i think we see you know it both we see that the same strengths and weaknesses in, in both of the two classes as well uh, in st For example, the first couple of races of the season were at Daytona and Sebring, two really fast racetracks, and they certainly didn't suit... The little Master MX-5, perhaps in yeah. ST. Then we went to Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, and that's all about uh, carrying momentum through the corners, and you know, the lighter the car, the better. Own that and that's place, what, yeah, don't oh, well, it? absolutely. It's not called Master Raceway l- for nothing. L- <laughs> well, <it laughs> is,
0: Literally <actually>. everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's well, I'm pretty sure wonderful. It's
3: not
1: called it for nothing. But <laughs> it's, a, it's, a happy, it's a happy accident, isn't it, that uh, those cars are so good around there? And of course, we saw the debut of the global, the public debut of the uh, global MX-5 Cup car, the new shape for the Master MX5, which looked absolutely fantastic, and we'll be seeing that car uh, racing next season, and uh, hopefully some more news about Global MX5 Cup and the coverage thereof coming up later on in the season from us. Of course, we'll be following that series very closely, and if it's with us at any of the series, you will get to hear it and indeed see it at most of the places. Well, at least one of the races will be televised if we're uh, there, and we'll have streaming video share. And uh, Kenton Cook did a great job at uh, Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, getting coverage of that out to the world. And it's a series that I've been very interested in for many years. Finally got to drive an MX5 in competition last year, although not in a single category. It was in an eight-hour race at Anglesey. It was the perfect, perfect weapon. For that, even without its power steering, which made life a little less wieldy than it should have been, but it was <laughs> still great fun. <laughs> and uh, that's probably not a word, but uh, close enough. The, the guys at Jota Sport prepared a very lovely cu- couple of cars for the uh, Mission Motorsport guys, and uh, I had to—I was stunt double for Marino Frankitti, who uh, didn't have the right license or something, so. So they got me instead, which would have been a real disappointment.
3: I presume Marina was was babysitting, was he, two weeks ago. So I saw Holly at Le Mans. She was Mm. driving... uh the little alpha in the Le Mans Legends race, yes, but Reno was. was stuck at home babysitting, wasn't he? he just look al- at the times here early on in this session, and we talked about the the, the parity amongst the manufacturers. We've got a Porsche on top. Matt Plum's just gone back to the top, having taken away that first position again from Scott Maxwell in that new, brand-new Shelby G, GT350R. Third place is a Nissan, kind of a 14 BJ Zacharias. Fourth place, the second of the Shelbys, Jade Buford, kind of a 158. Then it's a BMW... Of Ashley Freiburg, and then the Chevy Camaro of Sasha Anis, who's driving this weekend for Mantella Autosport in place of Mark Wilkins, who has other commitments this weekend. So it'll be Sasha Anis sharing a number eight car with Anthony Mantella. And
0: now we have an Aston Martin that's just climbed into the top five. So that's uh, six (laughs) manufacturers in the top seven.
1: Yeah, that's the kind of variety that we were talking about, and why I think this series works so well, uh, It it isn't a spec series, it is an opportunity for manufacturers to come and show their wares, it is possibly, other than a GT3 class, it is possibly the ultimate win on Sunday, sell on Monday type of, of playground for manufacturers, and they have supported it, and with the advent of things like GT4 and that type of preparation of cars, it's made it relatively easy for people to climb on board with things that aren't all the same. And a few years ago, it would have been one manufacturer or another that would have dominated this with cub cars or single-mate cars. However, that's not the case now. The ST Street Tuner class started 14th position, and it's the 36 car of Corey Lewis, who has the best time there, 209 flat. Got about ooh, half a tenth from Owen in the 44 behind just as
3: close in that category as well. Yeah, again, uh, and three manufacturers there uh, leading the way at the moment. Corey Lewis driving that sh- strategic wealth Porsche Cayman. Second place, Owen Trinkler in the Honda Civic. And third place, Mr. Pole man, Justin Piscatel oh. uh, in the number 34 uh, Mazda.
1: Mr. Pole, he is, isn't he? Three,
3: three poles this season in the three races in three different cars.
1: You mentioned the Porsche there, the Porsche Cayman, and... Of course, we're expecting to see a Porsche product, which is Porsche Cayman. They've not developed that car, uh, that car uh, or the Boxster, really, as race cars. The Cayman, obviously, the hard top version, the coupe version. They've preferred to steer with the 911, the rear engine car. But there've always been some people who have wanted to develop it themselves. And finally, Weissach have given up and said, all right, we're going to do sort of a GT4 car. Uh, The early looks that I've had it at the car I haven't driven it yet but it looks absolutely stunning, there's a road going model that goes alongside it and uh, Vysak Porsche's motorsport department say yes we'll do this but don't start saying we're going to out, face out the 911, the 911 will always be our top halo category car, and this is something for the privateer, for the club racer at that kind of level, and uh, we'll support it. But you're not going to see a works came and pop up anywhere soon. That's what they tell us.
3: Got to be right, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know what, Porsche, have done such a fantastic job with the 9-11, and anybody who knows the three of us here, um, Jim's now got a, a very special box but he's had 9-11s, I've got a 9 you race
3: 911s? I yes. do oh, no, no, I've never driven. i a. The a only Porsche her. I've ever driven is the IndyCar Porsche.
1: <laughs> oh yes, that's right. I forget oh. that. Oh, oh yeah. I'm oh. oh, oh, sorry. you oh, well, we seem okay. to have lost Jeremy Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> His microphone's not yeah. working. I, I find <laughs> yeah, it actually <laughs> It at the Nurburgring. And it was actually it?
3: the week after I was last here. In actual fact. <laughs> really? <at 89. laughs> yeah, in '89. Yeah, because <laughs> I got a call while I was here, to uh, would I like to go to Germany? Why? To drive a car. What, what sort car? of a car? <laughs> ah, yes, the Porsche <laughs> Indy car. Uh, actually, the first, question, the first question they asked me actually was, "How tall are you?" Yeah. Because it was Teo Fabi's car, and Teo right. Fabi was sort of five foot, not very much. Yeah. And um, so you lied about your height, not yes, your age. You? Well, yeah, my yeah. answer was, "How tall do I need to be?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a In
1: fairness, Porsche have done a great job down the 52 years life of the Porsche 911 to continue to keep that car competitive and the development of mid-engine cars into their streetcar range. And let's not forget, Jim, that's not new. The 914 had a fantastic... The 914 had a. We've got a red flag, by the way. You're not missing anything out in the circuit. We'll get you some news in a moment. The 914 had a fantastic racing history, particularly over here in America. Yes,
0: it, and the, under the Brumos banner, it uh, had great success. 9146. Oh, <gasps> yeah, the 9146, and uh, and in fact, you and I were at the Nurburgring when the first Cayman race car k- showed up with the uh, Hankook tires, and that was a. Porsche went out of their way to tell everybody mm. we got nothing to do with this. There, you know, this is this man's car. He's <laughs> bought it. He's chosen to do with it what he wants to do with it, and we
1: have nothing to do with it. Yes, nothing. And it was tremendously successful and competitive for for a while at least. Was that when we had uh, who was behind the wheel of that? Farmbacker. It was it, it Farmbacker? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it was dicing with the Ford GT. Yes. Oh, that was. Yes. Exactly. That still looked like a police chase. You <laughs> should remember that. <laughs> Go and have a look. The opening laps will be on your oh, favourite yeah. uh, video download site. It will be there somewhere. Uh, and uh, we've got a red flag, as I mentioned. We're uh, 15, 16 minutes in. Robin Liddell up into second position in the Stevenson Motorsport Camaro. The number 6, or There are literally fractions between the top five, six... There's, there's less than half a second between the top five, which is exactly how we like it. And these are the, only the opening gambits uh, that are being played out at the moment of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge here at Watkins Glen International. You're live on IMSA Radio with Jeremy Shaw, Jim Roller and me, John Heindorf, 454 even around the circuit for your scanners and around the world at IMSA.com and our sister service, com joining us as well for this bonus Uh, went Thursday afternoon coverage here uh, on the Eastern Daylight Time Zone in America. Back in Europe, uh, what, it's uh, 25 past eight in the UK, 25 past nine in Central Europe. Thanks for joining us. Now, we haven't got hooked up with our colleagues from television, so we're not able to see all the way uh, around the circuit. So can't give you too much detail at the moment on what has happened uh, out there on the track there's a flatbed running down the far side of the circuit but that was still empty still people coming into the pit lane there Jeremy
3: uh, yeah there was one on the first page of the timing charts there was just one car that hadn't uh, come into the pits that was a number zero nine Aston Martin of Charles Esplanade but he's just put that car onto pit lane so not him not guilty me lad.
0: That yep. flatbed was at the end of the back straightaway, heading yeah. down the hill towards the boot. So, catch. Mm. Juggling
3: from a signed off here going I on behind the I scenes? I haven't
1: uh, <laughs> retired from international cricket yet. I just <laughs> want to let them know I'm still, still I, available. I, I, I will huh? be speaking to the England rugby selectors, though, saying that uh, I think I'm making myself not available uh, for England rugby now. I think that, that day is over. But for, for cricket, think I think that, we're all that right. That ship sailed? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. Okay. Yeah, I've the, the body doesn't recover as quick. but I think a bit of a 20-over 20, 20 thrash for England, that would do quite nicely. Uh, it, I don't think this is going to be a long one, if you'll pardon the expression. Uh, that uh, truck seemed to be moving with purpose towards an as-yet-unidentified car out on the uh, far side of the circuit from us. And apologies to those of you who are at the track who are staring, at obviously, at the car going, well, I can see what it is, why can't you? <laughs> We're on the top of the main grandstand, you numbskull. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'll be the least of uh, what we're being called or have been called in fact at the past. So it's Matt Plum, Robin Liddell, Scott Maxwell, the top three at the moment, three, six, and 15 in GS. And in ST, it's 36 of Corey Lewis, Juan Carlos LaRue. Uh, excuse me, it's not, it's Owen Trinkler who is uh broken away from the uh, ST field, and uh, Justin Justin Piscatelli, the only man living with them at the moment, so 44-34, and Corey Lewis, the 36, is in third position, that's because they've got James Vance in the GS, uh, the 78 car, 15th position, uh, between them, that rather threw me out when I was looking for the great tranche of ST cars, because we do normally see a pretty good Jeremy delineation between the GS and the the ST here. Uh, 29 cars have Made their way onto our timing screens, not getting anything on timing screen 2 at the moment, no, but, uh, but there's more cars than that out there.
3: Yeah, and at times in ST uh, 208.7 by both uh, Trunkler and uh, Piscatel, uh, 208.705 against 208.769. That's right on mm. race pace here, the fastest lap, uh, actually, I believe the lap record for ST set in last year's race by Wayne Nonamaker. In one of the Porsche Caymans, a 208.713. So right on that pace already inside half a dozen, a handful of laps in this first practice session for the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge.
1: So just paused at the moment as you're listening to bonus coverage here on IMSA Radio live from Watkins Glen International. And uh, let's just see if we can see who's been doing what to whom. Yes, there we are, you see. We have had 43 cars, I reckon. Possibly a couple more than that, actually. 45 cars who have set times at the moment. So just not seeing them on our second screen right now. If I scroll down to 29, beyond 29 on the computer, I should be able to see... What's going on from there onwards that's uh, remarkably sensible it's from one of the
0: uh, it's one of the Caymans John, one of the salins oh Caymans because the driver in a Salins uniform has just gotten out of the McGon safety car and is walking down the back of the pit lane oh, and I see only one of the Caymans there now
1: good point yes, and there's a expectant looking set of pit crew waiting.
3: Yeah, I think it's the 42 car, perhaps, that uh, isn't here now, because, uh, according to my notes, the the 42 and the 43 are the two uh, Salerns cars. Generally, the number 42 car has some kind of black marking along with the uh, traditional red and yellow of of, of Team Salerns, and the uh, 43 car has the white markings.
1: We're not America in the 42 when... And went in, and Sham Schechter in the, no, no, excuse no. me. Hang on, looking at the wrong bit.
3: Joe, probably Joe Salen, actually, was it? Sharing the car with Jeff Siegel, yeah, number a 43 car this weekend.
1: 43, it was Jeff Siegel who was last was in it? the car, 30th yeah. fastest in the Cayman. Adam has joined us, having uh, taken over from Jim Roller. Thanks, Jim, for your uh, contribution in this first half of the session. So 22 and a half gone, 22 and a half to go and it's Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge that should be out on the circuit right now here at Watkins Glen International but sadly we await the recovery of what we believe is the Searland's Cayman. Welcome to the radio broadcast. You've been doing sterling work here already as have the whole team today. We've been uh, covering all of the practice sessions for the... Public address system. Uh, welcome to IMSA Radio.
2: Thank you. I'm kind of surprised that it would be Jeff Siegel, given that he's just come back from Lamar, where he uh, found himself on the podium. So that's kind of a What, big just by
1: accident at the end of the <laughs> yes. race? Sort of. Oh, I've just <laughs> wandered on. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, that's kind of what it seemed like. He was in such a daze, having, uh, well, finished third. He wasn't expecting that at all. That When I saw him after the race, it was sort of like, oh, wow, I'm going up there? Really? But... Mm. Yes. They
1: benefit, of course, from the uh, the demise of the Paul Dallalana, Aston Martin,
2: yeah.
1: right towards, in the last hour of the race, awful to lose any position at Le Mans, but to lose a, a winning position, and so late in the day, and Aston Martin, unfortunately, have rather made a habit of that in the last couple of years in both the GT Pro and the GTM classes, but there's no asterisk next to the the result as the green flag is in the air, and that was a cracking uh, result by uh, Jeff Siegel and uh, Bill B- Bell, Bell, Swede in a very, very American Ferrari.
2: Yes. Well, it wound up being a pretty American podium, mm. given that five of the drivers were American. It was a Russian team who won overall, but I, I'd say that was a victory for Team America. <laughs> <laughs> the Salins guys now checking the 42 quite extensively, even though the green flag has come out. Cars rolling down the pit lane. I have to say, John, I went and stood out at the end of our booth area out in the open air and just watched for a couple of minutes. Those new Mustangs Mm -hmm. look fast down the front stretch.
1: They do. They've got all of the performance of the outgoing car. And as we were saying at the beginning, there's never been any doubt about the muscle uh, in that uh, American, very American muscle car. The original pony cars, of course. The transition to a... platform, which we will be getting in Europe, of course. The new Mustang with uh, both the 2.3 Eco boost and the V8, the venerable 5-litre V8. He's coming to Europe and he's coming to the UK in right-hand drive form. The
2: But Mustang you don't want one of those.
1: Oh, Really? No, I'm not. No. A, the responsible adult has been very irresponsible <laughs> when she saw the ads for the new Ford Mustang. And when asked, saw so the 2.3 Turbo with Two hundred and eighty or three twenty brake, isn't it? Or, or the V8? <laughs> she looked at me as much as to say, "The V8, obviously." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that uh, duh, she says. <laughs> yes, indeed. That car here in Europe, and in fact, as a world car for Ford, might well see that car popping as a race car in other places as well. Strong suspicion that the new Aussie V8 regulations will allow two doors rather than the four doors that are there at the moment and may allow turbocharged cars of different uh, displacement as well to allow things in like back in again like the Nismo GTR and along with the Camaro those two cars seem to be by Ford and GM being touted as their world cars in terms of two door sports saloons Hopefully, you're hearing a bit of the noise coming through. We're not quite linked (laughs) up to our TV effect at the moment, but those engines do sound very good. Yeah, the first
3: one passed was that new uh, GT350R, the Shelby GT350RC. And uh, interesting, I mean, we talked about the completely different rear suspension on that Mm. car. So it's now an independent rear suspension rather than the solid axle, uh, as in the uh, Mustang Mustang Boss 302S that they raced before. But also, the engine is very different as well. Flat plane crank. In that uh, that V8, 5.2-liter V8, flat-plane crank, and it's uh, rather than the uh, so it makes the, the vibrations or the, the, the sort of dynamics of that engine completely different. Yeah, harmonics are different. Yeah, yeah. that's the word. Of, thank you. Totally different. So yeah, and, and that affects all sorts of things. Well. It does. Oh, yeah.
1: It has got a flattest and reminds me very much, actually, of the old Mercedes-Benz V8 engines at Le Mans. And before anybody says, I don't mean 1955, uh, when they were there in the late 80s, that very purposeful but quite flat-sounding noise don't sound like they're being revved that hard. And, but it just has almost a visceral noise that goes with it. Like it.
2: It sounds purposeful.
1: Yes, I'd agree with that. It's, I love the idea that we're getting you know, Ford coming back to Le Mans. We talked about this earlier on today before we were on the network. Uh, Ford coming back to Le Mans with the Ford GT, also going into the World Endurance Championship and racing in the Tudor United Sports Guard Championship next year. A well-worn path to the doors of Ganassi Racing by any driver worth their salt, I would think, at the moment. Saw so Larry Holt actually... Just pulling up to get his credentials a little while ago. From Multimatic, who will be running the World Championship version of that, turned up in a very nice Subaru Impreza. Ooh, mm.
2: envy with all these dirt roads around here.
1: hmm I'm not sure it was stock, if I'm honest. <laughs> it didn't sound stock, and it didn't look like it was sitting on stock suspension, but with Multimatic, why would it be? so we've got still 16 17 minutes to go sasha anis now in the yes. fastest car the number eight car what of sasha anis lady and gentlemen i would think our global listenership will not know too much about this driver
2: ran with uh, anthony mantella before last year at vir and had fast lap yeah, very he's,
3: quick driver he's, fr- he's from canada he's from toronto and uh, he stays done a lot of racing and coaching, particularly up north of the border. Also a very accomplished engineer. In fact, that's his normal day job in the yeah. Continental Talk Sports Challenge is a race engineer on the sister car, number 80 car. Uh, so uh, he's this, this weekend with uh, Mark Wilkins unavailable, and the team very wisely decided to bring, you know, bring him on board. to get more data uh, they, and, and apply their data a little bit better from what they what they're learning from the car. But as you said, Shay, uh, Sasha drove with this team when they were running Aston Martins last year at VAR. Had a uh, seventh place finish. He also set the fastest lap of the race. That wasn't his first Continental Tire Challenge. He also did a couple of races in a Nissan that he ran himself back in. I think it was 2008, so several years ago. But, uh, yeah, very talented uh, and underutilized perhaps Sasha Anis. Uh, and uh, I know he's excited. I haven't had, had a chat to him myself, but I, I, uh, I'm told that he is a very excited, I'm sure he is, to get this opportunity to race with the team again this weekend. And what an effort that is to get the fastest lap so far in this session, a 201.877.
1: And, in fact, the only car in the 201s at the moment, yeah. 202.008 for Scott Maxwell in the 15, Matt Plum, at 202.0. I mean, it's not huge, but it, it's just another marker share that we're the only one that's cracked... 122 seconds you know it's just something else that they can wave around when they go out tonight
2: well and it's something that they need it's a, a canadian team as mantel Auto Sports and in both cars all canadian lineups they've got kyle marcelli and the other one and martin Berkey that's a heck of a team to have together they struggled a bit last year as martin was learning this series learning these cars he's only done porsche competition in the past and then normally with mark wilkins another great canadian driver but they need something they've had a rough season so far and that car in particular the eight they're going to need something really strong to feel good about and even if it's just a practice that's enough to sort of get the ball rolling
1: the 80 the 8-0 eight car is in eighth position at the moment Carl Marcelli at the wheel on a two or two nine so a little time still to find as we're getting back up the speed after that red flag period Scott Maxwell's just come into the pits in the uh, other white Mustang, this is one of the Boss Mustangs No, Shelby uh, Sorry, one of the Shelby uh, Mustangs Just come in in the 15 car And he's having Some work done, the bonnet is up On that car,
3: just away to our left And the trunk lid is up on one of the uh Audi's coming down the pit that's lane.
2: There's 75, so it's uh, oh, yeah, Paul Holton, I would imagine. Yes, it's up, and it's
1: not at its pit yet. It no. is, uh, <laughs> so I was looking down in the pits when Jeremy said that the boot lid was up, and I thought, no, he's not even at his... Oh, right, movable aerodynamic device, then.
2: Yeah. Well, Jim that's... Hall
1: would be delighted with that. It's very chaparral.
2: That would be one of those instances of, oh, I pushed the wrong button on the key and the truck
1: came up. <laughs> Yes, disable the electric boot release, I think, for the next time around. They really look spectacular, those uh, new Audi saloon cars. I mean, a lot of hard work gone into getting those guys ready and getting them into the championship. The paint scheme in itself is a work of art, and you never miss the You'll not miss them. It's a bright fluorescent orange and black, really good little package that S3 saloon
2: with a giant spider on the back quarter panel so that's their inspiration for going quickly run away from me, run away
1: me. from the spider run away, uh, in ST at the moment it is now the 44 car, same car same car, new driver, Sarah Catano, At uh, there Catano at the wheel, excuse me and what's Sarah's story Jeremy?
3: well she's been around the sport uh, for a long long time, she drives with Owen with Trinkler in that CRG I do borrow Honda Civic and you know she's certainly you know had her, her taste of success in the past she'd won a race uh, before uh and uh you know she's a super enthusiastic chef from Arizona and she really gives a very very good account of herself she's a very capable driver and you know, that 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 pairing with her in Trinkler have been super strong they're carrying kind of carrying the Honda uh colors if you like on the road now it was uh, with the, uh, the 74 and 75 cars uh, were, we're were running Hondas for, for many years with Compass 360 racing but now it's pretty much just CRG I do car. and also the LaRue's from Puerto Rico, they're back as well this weekend, car number 4 uh, is, is back uh, running from uh, Costa Rica I should say uh, they are running this weekend having missed the last round at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca
1: new fastest lap Two hundred fifty three. Two cars now under one hundred twenty two seconds around Watkins Glen International. It's Matt Plum in the thirteen. This is looking very interesting indeed at the sharp end of the field, and that is
3: already underneath the race lap record wow. set last year. That was in the Chevy Camaro. Andrew Davis set that fast so lap two hundred one point seven nine zero, and Matt Plum just under two hundred one point seven five three in the number thirteen Rum Bum Racing Porsche.
2: And Jeremy, I should just add quickly, the 92 and the 93 heart racing. They're also the other Hondas in this competition True. this weekend. Mm-hmm.
3: Good point. Missing Thank you very one much. of their regular
2: drivers, as a matter of fact, because Kuno Whitmer got the call out of the number 93. He's going to be in the uh, TRG car for the six-hour race with uh, Christina Nielsen, I believe.
1: 93 is in fourth position. Kevin Boehm at the wheel of that car. 209.102 against the best of 2087, so nicely poised in the ST category as well. What we got left? Ten and a half minutes. Robin Liddell in fourth position in the Stevenson Camaro now. Just having come into the pit lane. Sasha Anis in the pit lane as well. Scott Maxwell's gone back out again after a few bits of uh, fiddling under the into the engine compartment in the front end of the car. Didn't look to have done anything in terms of looking at the handling. So something Scott wasn't happy with in that 15 Mustang and is back out on the circuit now.
2: A lot of driver changes going on up and down the pit lane. Uh, The 13 is the latest one of them, Matt Plum. So uh, that should be Hugh Plum getting behind the wheel now. And there he goes. So now now it's Hugh's turn to see if... They can maintain that time, but I would imagine Billy Johnson sitting down in uh, third in the 15 Ford Mustang. He's going to want to have a play for that P1 position. First practice, fastest overall. Yes, please.
3: Yeah, but they don't want to show their hand too. The, That's uh, true, Tucker, the
2: do, <laughs> do they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, he's
1: a huge amount of weight for you. Thud. Yes.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome, welcome, lovely, smashing new car, really fast, uh, thud. There you are. Just
2: throw that in the <laughs> trunk, will you? You don't mind?
1: That's an extra person. Yes, that's right.
2: <laughs> you must carry both drivers in the car at all at times. At all times. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: It's a big unknown, isn't it, this weekend oh, for that exactly. team? Because it is. It, it's a brand new car, completely different to the car they've been running for years and years and years. Yes, they've done a fair bit of testing with it, uh, and uh, but but it's only recently that the the. Uh, Homologation form has been completed and, and, and signed off on. So, you know, in this particular specification, they've really not, not got that much time on the car at all, and they've got to learn, you know, how it uh, it uses its tyres, how how the engine soaks up the pressure, for you know, for a long race, for a two and a half hour race on Saturday.
1: Matt Bell just gone through there in front of us in sixth position, in the ninth.
3: Yeah, and the uh, Stevenson, Racing, Stevenson Motorsport Camaro is number six and a number nine cars. Boy, they've been pretty much a dominant force in the first three rounds of the championship so far. They've been absolutely super fast. Uh, they've had a couple of uh, performance-bouncing uh, curveballs thrown out them. I mean, them. As you say, this big chunk of wake clunk, there it is, and, <laughs> and slightly smaller restrictors as well. So, you know, they're, they're just, again, that's a new car this year. Again, and what's interesting also, that car, the Camaro, Z28R, that's got a lot of street-based technology on it, yeah. which, which is kind of new for the Continental Tire Series. I mean, these are uh, production-based cars, certainly, but uh, a lot of the uh, components on these cars were developed for racing. Well, this year, particularly starting off, I think, with the Chevy, they're trying to bring more street-relevant technology into it. Bigger brakes, uh, uh, carbon-ceramic brakes they're running on these cars. Uh, I think, what is it 19-inch rims on these cars yeah. as well?
1: Yeah, I've noticed that. And that's obviously been a challenge for Continental Tires to produce the different sized race rubber. You've got behind the scenes of, of what they do with their street. We often talk, don't we, about technology transfer. Doug, a, of, uh, of, uh, Doug Feehan from uh, Corvette Racing is a, a big one, and that's a, a buzzword for them, technology transfer. But you saw it up close and personal uh, relatively recently, this year when you went to the, the Continental Tire test facility You'd Uvalde.
2: <laughs> Uvalde, yes. Yes. They welcome the challenges, they enjoy that. When a team comes to them and says, this is our goal, this is what we want to happen, can you help us? They just smile and the people back in the labs go, ooh, this sounds like fun. <laughs> let's put down our logic puzzles and let's pick up a different challenge.
1: I have here a test tube full of grip, yes. a test tube <laughs> full of longevity, let's mix that together. I mean, I know it's a joke, but it really is a flat, uh, a black art in tyres. When you start talking to these tyre engineers, because that's what they are, and they start talking about the difference between mechanical grip, i.e. the rubber on the surface, friction-based grip, and then they start talking about chemical grip and how the rubber reacts with the road surface on a chemical level. Sorry, lost me. Lost me completely. And th- that's the kind of level they're talking about. And this is what goes on your streetcars as well, as you, know, as you found out.
2: One of the most interesting charts that they had that they showed in the presentation when introducing the new Extreme Contact DWS-06 was this sort of five-point star. And each point represented a different strength of tires. So there was dry running, wet running, snow, whatever you could possibly imagine. And they showed how their tires matched up the old ones the yeah. dws and it was really good it was almost all the way out on all the points and then they showed how the competition lines up and there were certain strengths in other areas where they might have been better than the continental tires but then they did the new ones and the the whole diagram was filled out it was like we nailed it uh, is what it was, they like it was a different scale. Exactly. But it was, some people are really good at, at doing this, but not so much at this. And it was just like, we figured it out.
1: It's interesting because Auto Express in the UK have just done their yearly tyre test and the new Conti absolutely aced it. And you normally, on those, they're scored in a a, a variety of ways and sometimes it won't be the best tyre that comes out on top. You'll get a couple of seconds and a couple of thirds and somebody will be better at this. and somebody. But as you say, Conti, I think out of the six or eight uh, areas. I think it was best in five of them. Inside the last five minutes, Jeremy, and out on the circuit, Hugh Plum uh, behind the wheel of the Porsche number 13.
3: Yeah, no change at the front. It's still the uh, that number 13 Rub Bum Racing Porsche fastest. It was Matt Plum that set time 201.7. The number 8 Camaro second, number 15 Shelby GT350. Whoops, that's the is that number 40, I know, number 4 uh, Honda. I
2: uh, couldn't see a number, but somebody went up in smoke right in front of us, yeah, and right looks like their us. engine expired.
3: Well, I'm a that was number at the LRT. Is that the
1: number four the you circuit? were talking I about? I believe so, yeah. Yes, that would be about right, because it went across the line very recently. By the way, that Inside Conti, uh, Valde, if you're listening on IMSA Radio around the world, you will be able to hear that show next on IMSA Radio, on the network, uh, after we are finished with this Bonus live practice session from Watkins Glen International. And thanks to Johnny and Tim for certainly that. out. we've got a red flag, which will stop the clock, will it? Uh, no. Perhaps not, because there's going to be oil down on the circuit. That's a shame, because I think we were just beginning to wind up to something quite interesting at the sharp end of the field. But that has stopped... Any joy there? No. And the chequered flag, I believe, is going to come out. Still, yep, yeah, it's in hand on the finish line now, and it's red and chequered. That is the end of that. Well, that's a shame. Yeah,
3: there was nothing trivial in that, uh, in that failure on the front straightaway. That's no, sure.
1: and the problem was, Jeremy, is it's, it's right on the breaking of yeah. the racing line into turn yeah. one. No choice but to do that. I think that was a, a very swift decision as well by the race officials which is there's no runoff at all of course on the left-hand side as you go down there so if you lose the car under braking there first of all it's a very fast straight second of all there's nowhere to go but downhill yeah. literally at that point and uh, that was a smart piece of officialdom from our uh, race control which is actually just along to our left from here from where we're commentating. Is that close enough then at the top of the field? What, you know, we've only got uh, seven cars within eight-tenths of a second and, what, four five cars within half a second. Is that all right?
3: Yeah, I think so, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fabulous. And, again, with the different manufacturers in there as well, that's the cool thing, isn't it? The Porsche, the Chevy, the Shelby, the Nissan is right there as well. Uh, and then not too far off the pace, as uh, BMW and Aston Martin as well. Now the BMW is certainly disappointing. Trent Hinman and Ashley Freiberg, and uh, both mm-hmm. of those two really excited about coming here. Ashley Freiburg, she made her debut here in the GT3 Cup uh, three or four years ago. One, she, she had her first race win here in the Porsches, uh, and so she was super excited about coming here this weekend. And you know, that four-line BMW has been won the championship, of course, last year, wasn't it? But this year... They just haven't had the same sort of pace. The development of the other chassis has really moved ahead, of, I think, a little bit of the BMW. So they're struggling for outright pace, but seventh fastest in this session for Trent Hinman. Uh,
1: and seventh fastest and less than nine tenths, <coughs> just exactly. under nine tenths away from the single best lap. And was that, you know, obviously, if that was qualifying and you were back that far, it was going to be a bit of an issue. But what we're talking about is finding some balance in the cars right now getting the cars onto the race base and getting your drivers comfortable for an endurance event. This is not a 10-lap sprint, is it?
2: It's not, but I'm not going to trust the qualifying times. I really? don't believe what anybody has until the race comes along. Oh, really? Well, look at Stevenson from the last couple of races. Mm. They didn't necessarily qualify. Okay, they got a pole, but they didn't necessarily get where they necessarily wanted to be. And then the race comes along and they're dominating. So... Mm. You you know some from qualifying, but the race is a completely different story. And especially, Jeremy, as we were saying with the giant thunk of weight, yeah. nobody's <laughs> going to do that in qualifying. <laughs> You're going to wait until the race, and then you've got a nice trophy. And you can say, can this be my ballast? Can I just put this in the car? That's
1: very good. I like that. I'll take that ballast home with me. Thank you very much. It'll go on my ballast shelf <laughs> in my ballast cabinet. Yeah, very good. The uh, The... The, the 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 point about that is Stevenson have been clever as well, though, with how they've worked their strategy, and and that's one thing we've seen. And you'll hear at the weekend when we are, are talking about the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge uh, in full for our race coverage on Saturday. You you can't really lay down a plan, Jeremy, for what's going on here. You've got to be able to react very quickly. And Stevenson, among a number of the teams here, are very well, very very well run, very savvy team and you've basically got to try and read the race as best you can and make the best of, of your strengths
3: yeah you know the Stephenson team yeah, they, uh, they do the job properly I mean they leave absolutely impressive. no stone unturned they've had tremendous amount of success here over the years uh, Davis, uh, Andrew Davis and Robin Liddell the defending champions in this race they won here one year ago uh, Andrew Davis also set the fastest also set the fastest lap, but you know, it is a fast car, and uh, but you know, the same t- by the same token, sen want to make sure that they don 't just run away and hide from everybody else because they want it to be a level playing field and with all the the different characteristics of these cars because they are so different i 'm um, all in favor of this you 're bouncing things out if you need to give one car a little bit more more weight or less weight or slightly big, bigger engine restrictor. I have no problem with that whatsoever because it makes it better for all the constituents, including us watching from the outside.
1: Let's not forget, our racing is meant <coughs> to be entertainment. Yeah, so, exactly. So you know, let, let's let's not never forget that. In uh, street tuner ST, no less uh, competitive uh, with Honda, Mazda, Porsche, Honda, Honda, Mazda uh, in the uh, first few positions. Then the Porsche Kiermans. Uh, on the positions, what, seven down through to nine. And as you mentioned, the uh, Catanio and Trinkler partnership continues to deliver in that Honda Civic SI. But Piscital, again, that looks very, very ominous indeed, Shane. And he is the pole position expert this season.
2: He is, and it's good to see him finally with a consistent team and a consistent car because for the first few races, he was getting pole in whatever they would put him in. So <laughs> yeah. you can never count him out. a car could out. qualify. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Here's a rental car, and he would go put it <laughs> on
3: pole. And he's a great story all around, isn't he? Just he was a really nice young man. He's he he, he came up another guy to come up through the MX-5 ranks, and uh, he was. The, the winner of the Mazda shootout well, four or five years ago now, uh, then moved up into, into this championship, into the Continental Tower Sports Car Challenge well, about three years ago. But, yeah the funding ran, ran out, so he was kind of left without a drive. But he wanted to be involved in the sport. He he said, OK, right, well, I'm not going to be driving right now. How else can I stay in this sport? And he, he came, I think it was actually here that he came, at Watkins Glen, uh, and offered he knew one of the teams, he said, look, can I I help you anyway? And I said, well, yeah, if you want to go out out on the track and watch us, See how we're doing and how we're performing. Then you give us some feedback. So he became, by necessity, a driver coach. And then when one of the drivers wasn't able to to drive the car themselves, they invited Justin to come in and drive it. And that's how he's made a kind of a a career out of that, if you like. And but he's now, because of that, he's got an opportunity to get into this car on a a relatively full-time basis. And hats off to that Alara team for giving him that opportunity.
1: Right, a couple of minutes before we have to say goodbye, we're all happy that uh, we got 46 cars, I think. Uh, well, actually, probably 45. I'm not sure. We saw the 66 uh, ST car, so we got the bulk of the field out there in this Thursday afternoon practice session, lap four. Yes, you're right, Jeremy. It does say that that uh, 66 car was that. Must have been the one that was that the one that had an issue then.
2: No, they're in a yellow Miata uh-huh. this weekend. Okay,
1: so just one very long lap to get around then uh, in that case Uh, so we're relatively happy that that's all going on Uh, it's been a decent day of practice here obviously we've only covered the the last session there for our listeners on the network but it gets all a bit more serious tomorrow share
2: it does it starts early as well i believe these guys are back out on track at 8 a.m
1: they have bookend. They will bookend the evening session, i.e., now and <laughs> first thing in the morning. Get to bed early tonight. Looking forward to the rest of the weekend, Jeremy.
3: Yeah, hugely so. It's been a long time since I've been here to Watkins Glen. It's great to be back, and uh, with such a, I think we've got just got a wealth of exciting races in store for us this whole weekend. Can't wait.
1: Well, coming up on the network, both on RadioLamont.com and IMSA Radio, it is inside Continental Tyres. Jim Roller and Cher Adam behind the scenes as a new street tyre is evaluated, tested and then rolled out, pun absolutely intended, to the world's press. That's next. And we'll say good evening to you all, wherever you are around the world. It's been a fabulous day here. Make sure you join us, 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, tomorrow morning when we're back on the air, live from Watkins Glen International here on IMSA Radio.
0: This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit radiolamon.com.